This is the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, episode number two. Back again. You're listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, the only podcast in the world that shows you how to run a YouTube channel just like the pros. And here's your host. He's grown multiple YouTube channels by millions of subscribers and billions of views. And even though he speaks funny, we promise you he is speaking English. Tom Martin. Hi, guys. Hope you liked that little YouTube Easter egg. That Easter egg is actually taken from the YouTube channel that belongs to the person that I'm interviewing today. And you can find out exactly what video that comes from if you don't recognize it, along with the links to anything we mentioned in the show and also some really key takeaways from this episode, actionable steps. This Pro Channel Manager podcast is going to pride itself on having actionable steps. So when I talk about show notes, I'm not just talking about links for you to buy affiliate stuff. I'm talking about actionable steps that you can replicate to find the same success as our guests. And speaking of today's guests, I'm kind of speechless because one of the reasons that I started this Pro Channel Manager podcast was so that I could be selfish and not only speak to the smartest people on YouTube to pick their brains and understand what they're doing but also to speak to my favorite personalities from the world of YouTube. And this person who I'm about to interview next hits both of those because they're doing absolutely incredible work on YouTube, but also they are my favorite YouTube channel of all time. I'm going to talk to you a bit more about that after this quick word from our sponsors. VidIQ is the secret weapon for every professional YouTube channel manager. Why? Because it has all of the amazing workflow and efficiency tools you need to save you time and effort, but there's more. It also has the most advanced YouTube SEO tools in the world, including an incredible keyword research tool that I use on every single video that I upload. I've been using vidIQ since way back in 2013, and without it, I simply would not have been able to generate the billions of YouTube views that I have. Fact. So if you want to get Ninja and start using the tools that the pros use, check out ProChannelManager.com forward slash vidIQ to get a free 30-day trial of one of their awesome paid plans. That's ProChannelManager.com forward slash V-I-D-I-Q. And you can thank me later. You can find all of the stuff mentioned by visiting ProChannelManager.com forward slash episode two. That's the word episode, the number two no hyphens, no spaces. So to get back to today's guest, I'm speaking to none other than Don Robbie, aka Robbie Lyle from Arsenal Fan TV, which is now known actually as AFTV Media. This is a YouTube channel that speaks directly to the fans of my favorite soccer team, Arsenal FC, based in North London, here in the UK. And they don't have rights to show the goals and the games. Instead, they talk about news. They talk about speculation. They get and talk to get fan reactions straight after the game. And the reason that I wanted to bring this to you is because the model that they've built is fascinating, but it's also replicable. Fans from a load of other soccer teams, as you'll hear in the interview, have done exactly the same and are building a big success. But I want you to listen to this, even if you have no interest in soccer whatsoever, because this is all about monetizing fandoms. And that could be fandom from another sport. 
That could be fandom around a musicized. That could be fandom around a TV show, a movie franchise, a board game, a video game. It doesn't matter. The advice that Robbie is going to give you is going to be actionable and replicable in no matter what fandom you want to work in. That's whether you're going to start a channel for yourself or whether you've been employed by a big media company to look after a YouTube channel that already has a big fandom around it. I've had experience myself working with the likes of Top Gear, Doctor Who, Sherlock for the BBC, Mr. Bean, Big Brother, all of which had existing passionate fandoms. And when you're working with fandoms and fans of anything, really, you need to be really careful. And Robbie is going to dispense some absolutely invaluable tips. So I hope you are going to love this interview as much as I do. Here we go. So yeah, I'm just starting off now and I I need to take a deep breath because I must admit, this is going to be one of the few times in my life where I I do a bit of fanboying. So I've worked on YouTube for eight years and in the UK, we've got a saying, which is like a busman's holiday, which is like, you don't want to do what you do for work in your spare time. So when people ask me like, what YouTube channels do you watch, Tom? My answer is almost always, I haven't got time to watch any YouTube channels except for one channel, which is AFTV, which I watch every single day. And I'm so happy to have Robbie Lyle from that channel. Robbie, welcome. Oh, thank you. That's a nice compliment. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, you know, you're putting out shows daily. I'm watching at least once a day. I don't always get to catch it live, but yeah, it's it's the one channel that is like my go-to. My kids come up to me like, dad, what you watching? Robbie? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's really cool to be talking to you today. Um, for those people that haven't seen the channel, can you give us uh, just a quick roundup of what you guys do. I've already explained that when we say the word football, we mean soccer. So you don't need to say yeah. soccer. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, um, but basically what we are is um, we are a football channel and uh, we follow Arsenal Football Club. And uh, basically the premise is that we give ordinary football fans a chance to have their say on Arsenal. Um, and sometimes on football in general. But yeah, they get a chance to have their say. And, you know, we discuss and talk about Arsenal 24-7. Um, but it, everything's done from a football fan's perspective, which kind of before we came around, it wasn't really done that way. It's normally pundits and so-called experts, but we kind of throw the floor open to the fans. Yeah, so doing a bit of research on the channel, I must say I haven't been listening since day one, but I have been a, a long-time fan. Yeah. And so back in October 2012, you published a video called I did not leave at half time. Arsenal seven, ready in five, which is a, a game that I remember very, very well. Yeah. How did that first video, because it's obviously very different to the videos that you produce now. Yeah. How did that first ever video come to be? Was it like, you know what, let's just go in a garden and film some friends. How did that idea come? Do you know what, right? I was actually discussing that video the other day because um, the guy who actually, it wasn't actually me who asked the questions on that video. It's a guy called Coogan. Coogan Cassius, who runs um, a channel called IFL TV, which is like a boxing channel. Yeah. And um, he's very good friends of mine. Me and him used to go to Highbury. We used to go to Highbury together, both season ticket holders at Arsenal. And he runs a very successful boxing channel. And um, I said to him that I was starting up this uh, 
football channel to do with Arsenal. Actually, I wanted him originally to do it with me because, you know, I didn't have any knowledge of YouTube or anything like that. But unfortunately, he couldn't join me because he was uh, so busy with his channel already. But what it is, um, that game, Arsenal play Reading, that <laughs> famous FA Cup game. What a game, what a game. Yeah. Um, was it FA Cup or League Cup? I can't remember now. But it, it, we basically, we won it 7-5. We were getting, if you remember rightly, we were losing at half-time. We were getting a pound yeah. win at half-time. And there was lots of pictures in the newspapers showing a fan leaving at halftime. It was, it was, first of all, they showed it on Sky, I think it was. And then they showed, it was all in, all in newspapers. It was everywhere. And everybody was like having a go at this fan because they're like, he left early and missed a great comeback by Arsenal because Arsenal came back to win the game 7-5. But actually that guy was actually Coogan's cousin. <laughs> and Coogan had um, told me, like, when it blew up, he told me the next day, he goes, my cousin, he didn't leave early. He was actually leaving at halftime just to go and get, like, um, a drink and a burger. <laughs> he was so disgusted that he started, you know, like, it's, it's approaching halftime. He was just like, oh, stuff it, I'm going to get a drink now. So he did actually go get his drink and everything, but he did come back for the second half. So it was talking to that fan. Um, in the interview and him putting it straight that, listen, I didn't actually leave early. I just went at half time to get a drink. So we did it because it was a bit of a scoop. And obviously, yeah. he, you know, he was his cousin. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. It's a bit of a scoop. And that was the first video. And was that, was it ever meant to be more than one video or was it just like this, make an opportunity? And then how, how did it be going to be like two videos, then 10 videos, 20 videos? No, the plan was always to like, go and interview fans after a game. But it's just that that came up. So we was like, wow, this I just saw it as an opportunity to maybe do a video that would get us recognised because it was a bit of a scoop. And, you know, what everybody was reporting was actually false. So the plan was always to go outside the ground and interview fans. That was my plan from day one. And I think the first game we kind of officially did was we played Tottenham. And uh, we beat them in that game. I think that was the 5-2 or the 5-2. Or the, yeah, and we beat them at 5-2 or the 5-1. We beat them in that game. And so we started off with that game by interviewing fans there. And, and that went down really well. We was doing videos and then we get like 100 views and another one would get 150. And I, I was over the moon, you know what I mean? I was like, this is brilliant yeah. for our first, you know. And what we found as well is that obviously some of those fans then saw themselves in the video and shared it. So it was great, you know, because it was kind of our first sort of a proper game and we got a good reaction from um, the people that we interviewed, although they were very, at first, they were all very cautious and they were all sort of like, who the hell are you lot? You know what I mean? You're not Sky, you're not BBC, yeah. who are you? You know, so a lot of them were very, a lot of people who were trying to get to interview were a bit reluctant, but we didn't manage to get people because I kind of worked off of the calculation that is there's 60,000 fans there, we're about to get some. <laughs> and what, what were you filming on back then? Was it like iPhones? Was it, did you have like a proper gear? Did you have mics? Yeah, well, uh, the, the, the funny story about that as well is that um, my partner in AFTV, Tao, he worked at a film studio at the time. Now, I didn't know this. When I was starting AFTV, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know how to do videos. I didn't know anything, but I just had the idea. And I was just, I'd had the idea for quite a while. And as I said, I was going to go into it. I wanted to go into it with Coogan, but he couldn't. 
So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to start this, man. And you just got to believe in yourself, man. I'll, I'll learn it. <laughs> you know, I was saying to myself. So I went to Tao and I said to him, who I knew from um, a while, and I said, Tao, could you build me a website? Because he used to build websites. And obviously to build a website, I told him what the idea was. I sh- gave him some idea of how I wanted it to look, told him what I'm going to be doing. And then he said to me, he goes, oh, you know what? That's a good idea, you know? He goes, I actually know how to do filming because, you know, I work sort of part-time at a film studio. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah. So I said, oh, that'd be brilliant. So I said, yeah, come on in, come and get on board, you know what I mean? So that first, or the, uh, not even just that video, say for the first nearly couple of years, the camera that we used was a borrowed camera. We borrowed it from that film studio. Sort of yeah. one, and it wasn't a very good camera. It was a, it w- wasn't a digital camera. It was just a taped camera. So basically, everything you filmed was on tape. And then I don't know if you know you you know of your knowledge of um, filming and YouTube and that. That if it's not digital and if it's done sort of on an analog sort of tape thing, when you're processing it and when you do, you have to wait. So if you filmed an hour. You have to wait an hour for that to process. Yeah, we we used all of that tape analog. Yeah, splicing um, yeah, yeah. at university. That was some painful yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was painful. And you know, imagine you're doing football. You want to get the content out as quickly as you can. But that's what we had. So we borrowed that camera. We borrowed that mic. We borrowed a mic as well from the from the film studio. So the the quality wasn't too bad. But it just took ages because you know. We'd have to, um, we were using like a tape camera. We wasn't using the digital camera. It wasn't until um, about, probably about a year and a half in when we managed to buy, you know, go and invest in buying one. I was financing everything from my job because I was also still working a full-time job as a surveyor. So for about the first three odd years of doing um, AFTV, I was working at the same time. So I was using my money from work, you know, whatever I had left over after paying my mortgage and everything to finance AFTV, buying tickets for games, traveling to games, equipment. So we had to do things a bit slowly, you know what I mean? Because, you know, some of this equipment is quite expensive. Yeah. So onto that, you know, so you said you'd done about three and a half years. So what's that about 2015, 2016, you turned kind of full time, you know, you joined the pros. What was that decision like going from, like you said, you're a surveyor, so quite, I'm assuming quite a, you know, a secure job, a kind of career. How was that decision to like take that leap? Because I think a lot of people listening to this mm. probably still haven't made that leap yet. What was that decision like, like psychologically, but like financially, how did you know you had, did you have like savings? That's a pretty tough decision. Yeah, I, I didn't have any savings. No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any savings. And it was a hard decision because obviously wife and kids and people's around me saying I'm crazy because it was a secure job and I've been doing it for a while. And um, Dean does, you know, to a lot of people, a very good job as well. And funny enough, a lot, a, a couple of times in that job, they were, because at the time I was working for a housing association. And they were asking me if I wanted to go for the position of a senior surveyor, right? But I, yeah. I, they'd asked me twice, but I turned it down because the good thing about working as a surveyor at the time is that um, I used to go out and obviously you got uh, I was a building surveyor, so I used to go out and inspect a lot of properties. But whilst I was out now, 
I could be doing, <laughs> you know, things like uh, helping to do, you know, doing videos. Sometimes I'll sneak off down to the end, <laughs> film a video, then go back to work and think, oh, I used to do that a lot. But I always made sure that my work was done. So yeah. they, they didn't suspect because I was always, but it was, obviously it was very tough because I was working every hour <laughs> you could think of, right? So after a while, the decision for me was easy because I knew it's something that I had to do. And I knew I couldn't wait until that um, situation where I can say, right, I'm earning so much money off of YouTube now that I can definitely step out of my job. I, I knew I was thinking to do it that way at first, but after a while, I was like, that's not going to come. The only way I'm going to be able to step up is by leaving my job. So I'm going to have to take a chance. And I was like, I just saw, I just kind of backed myself. I said, I know I can do this. I know it will be better if I do it full time. And also, if it doesn't work, I was quite good at this job. So I'm confident yeah. that if six months down the line or a year down the line, things are that bad, I can go back into even doing this job as a temp. So I just decided to leave. Yeah, I think yeah, that kind of situation is very much like mine when I left the kind of corporate world, yeah. running kind of big companies, YouTube channels to do it for myself. You have to, you know what? What my advice to people are, you know, in something inside of you will be telling you, you need to do this full time. And you've got to go with that. You can't be scared. You know, you've got to just remove the fear and just say, I'm going to do this. And obviously, like the channel had some success already. So what did the channel look like at this point in terms of like how many subscribers did you have or like what kind of monthly view count were you getting? Can you remember that? I can't remember. I think at that point we had over, we we probably had over 100,000 subscribers at that point. And the channel was on the up. We were getting good views, probably a couple of million a month, you know, so we, we, we were getting good views and it was on the up and something inside of me just said, come on, you've got to do this full time you got to dedicate yourself to this because it can be big, right? And if you don't, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. You're just going to have an average. Do you want to be just average? Do you just want to have an average channel? Or do you want to have a great channel? So Yeah, I think we're going to have a wave of a new generation of people that have quitting their jobs <laughs> maybe after the coronavirus kind maybe, of uh, maybe, down, maybe, yeah. Yeah. have no jobs after the coronavirus. Yeah. That's the thing. The thing is about it, right, is that, you know, I thought about it for a while. You you know, it's not that you don't just tomorrow just drop everything. And you've got to know within yourself, something within yourself will be telling you that this, I need to do this. If that thing's telling you that, I feel you have to go with it. And it's never going to be the perfect scenario. It's never going to be, oh, well, you know what? I'm earning like X amount now from YouTube. So I know that I can step away from this. Like, you're not going to, you know, more than likely, you're not going to have that situation. It's going to involve you taking a risk. It's going to involve you backing yourself and being faithful to that voice inside of you. And that's what I did. And, um, you know, I'm so happy that I did do that in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, I think we're all glad that you took that step. And <laughs> I'm sure that your wife and kids have probably got some credit to take if it's anything like mine, because, yeah. you know, you can't just take that decision in a vacuum. You know, you got to make sure you got the support of the people around you because yeah, 100%. yeah. so we, I think we're probably both blessed with a uh, better halves there. Mm. So from that point till now, you know, the channel's really come along. You've got like one point, nearly 1.2 million subscribers now, Yeah, you know, very often on like the YouTube trending tab here in the UK. Yeah. 
at what point do you think the channel kind of turned a corner and like you went from being able to like just talk to one person on their own and to, at the point where like it's now like where there's a big crowd over there that's Robbie and the team filming their videos like I'm always looking out for that crowd yeah. you know like my dad's a bit old and grumpy so he likes to get straight back to the car after the <laughs> game but you know when did you think like there was like that sea change from you know what we've really got something here like we're a thing now we're like part we're almost part of like the Arsenal culture you know what there's been so many moments right I mean it was a season, the season, what year was it? But we interviewed this guy called Chris Hudson. It was the first game of the season. And we played um, Aston Villa. And everybody was expecting us to walk all over them. But it had been a summer of real discontent at Arsenal because we hadn't signed anybody. We hadn't made no sign-ins and everybody was really, really frustrated that we hadn't signed, um, made any good sign-ins. And we actually lost that game, the first I was there. I remember the frustration. <laughs> and fans were in absolute meltdown, you know, um, and they came out of the ground. And it wasn't that they were angry that we lost the first game, because that can happen. They were angry because we'd not spent any money. Every fan knew that we needed to strengthen. The transfer window hadn't quite closed yet anyway, but fans just came out and they were angry and they vented. And, you know, I remember this guy, Chris Hudson, he came up and we were setting up the equipment and he was already going in. <laughs> right, and I'm like, hold on, let's get the. We've got to get our stuff set up. And he goes, "What I've got to say." I remember the words clearly from him. He goes, "What I've got to say, you guys won't even put it out." So I said to him, "I go, no, we will." I go, "What we do, we give fans the chance to have their honest opinion." He goes, "Yeah, but the club ain't gonna like it." I said, "Well, listen, it's your opinion." So, and he spoke, <laughs> and uh, I think what he said that he was very angry, but everything that he said was how the fans, I think, I'd say 90% of the fans inside the ground felt. And then there were some other people who came up and spoke as well. And from that day, his video went viral. And then there was not just his video, about probably about four or five videos that day went viral. And I think that was a turning point for us. Yeah. Because I woke up the next day and there was like newspapers emailing me, calling me, oh, can we use your video in the story we're doing? I, did, you know, I was like, what? It's yeah. crazy. I couldn't believe it. I, I was ringing up my partner, Tal, and I was going, Tal, I'm going, do you know, I just had the mirror on. I just had the express. I just had the mail. I just, it's crazy. And that is when I started to think, you know what? We now, we, we're we moving on to another level. There's been so many turning points. There's been so many turning points. You know what I mean? There's been so many. I remember we did an interview um, with Gary Neville. Gary Neville off of Sky and had a go at us because we played Chelsea. I think that was the game we lost 6-0. I can't remember the exact game. <laughs> Another one in the hammerings or yeah. <laughs> it that way. And fans came out and they were pretty angry and um, they were having a go. At that time, just when sort of Arsene Wenger was starting to pick up a lot of flack, fans were having a go and he apparently walked past whilst we were filming. So he then went on to say on his... Uh, Twitter account that, oh, I walked past the Arsenal fan TV guys and they were speaking to fans and these fans were having a go and it was embarrassing and they're an embarrassment. So I remember he tweeted it and I remember that night I was at a, I was at a function at my cousin's house. He was having a little um, birthday party. I went straight there after the game and somebody messaged me and said, Robbie, have you seen what Gary Neville said about you? 
And I said, what? What's he said? And they sent it to me. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was so angry, right? So I said, you know what? I'm going to do my own response to it. I'm like, I know we've got our, he can have his say on his Twitter account, but we've also got our audience as well. So I responded back to him and had a go at him and said, you know, it gives you the right to, you know, have a go at us. We're just, you know, these are ordinary Arsenal fans having their opinion, right? And this is how they feel. And he got a lot of flack back from fans. And then a few days later, I got an email from Sky asking me if I'd want to do a video going head to head, you know, head to head with Gary Neville. So I said, yeah, I don't mind. I said, but I want to bring some of those fans that we had, uh, that he was criticizing. I want to bring some of them as well. They said, yeah, bring them. So we went to Sky and we'd done that video. And again, I think that was a real turning point because he ended up having a lot of respect for what we did. He still tried to back what he, you know, Gary was a stubborn guy. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. But um, it was a great video because, you know, we put our points of view, he put his points of view. And I think, again, that was a turning point. A lot of people, that was for the industry, you know, for that sort of, because it was sort of the first time we sort of were clashing with mainstream, the mainstream media, the, the traditional guys who have been doing this thing for a long time, because I think a lot of them kind of looked down on us. Yeah. And I think after that, a lot of them changed their opinion and started to realise that, hey, these guys are serious players here. Yeah, and I think if they look at the reach and the view counts that you guys and other fan channels are getting, I think they've got right to be kind of scared because with all of their money and the rights that they pay for and the ex-pros and stuff, you know, you guys are obviously delivering something that's of equal value and that fans want to see. Well, some of them still look down on us. I mean, there's still some of these... Some people in the mainstream media that looked down, and I think especially a couple of years ago, and you know they looked on us. I think as a bit of a fluke. Oh, I think I wish. To, I, I remember when Arsene Wenger left uh, doing a radio interview, and the presenter saying to me, "Oh, I'm not going to say which radio station, but the presenter said to me, what are you going to do now?'" I said, "Well, what do you mean by that?" He goes, "Well, Wenger's gone. What are you going to do? That's it, isn't it? You're you lot are done now." And I said, "Pardon?" So I said. we're going to continue on with the, you know, following Arsenal Football Club and talking about every game. That's what we do. And, you know, Arsene Wenger's gone and he's a great manager and was a great at the club, but this is a new journey. You know, and and when I, I remember leaving that interview and thinking to myself, they just don't get it. They really do think this is a bit of a fluke, it's a bit of a few ranty fans and things like that. And they don't understand that we're at every game, we're at every Every home game, every away game, every preseason friendly, we're there and we're giving fans their opinions. And that's what they didn't get. So, and I was like, well, you know, fair enough. If they don't want to get it, that's cool. Better for us. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, fandoms are, are so strong. Like, you know, fans of existing properties, whether that's football, whether that's another sport, whether that's movies, whether that's music. It's such a powerful thing to tap into. I know when I looked after the Doctor Who channel for a few years, mm. not being a ma- massive Doctor Who fan, I soon realized that I needed to like learn the rules pretty quick because mm. they will slam you if you get like one spelling wrong or if you yeah. ask the wrong questions and stuff like that. But you know, I think you've been really smart to tap into that because you don't have the rights to show the goals. You don't have the rights to show the... Uh, you know the the footage. You don't necessarily get interviews with the players after the game, like someone yeah. like a Skywood. 
but you're still managing to create content that that people want to see. So yeah. kind of massive, massive kudos to you for that. Proud of that because, you know, like you said, we, you know, we don't have rights to show football. We hardly ever get interviews with players. You know, the, the, we don't seem to get, you know, they never seem to make them available for us to speak to. But you know what? We concentrate on the fans and it's brilliant. Know what I mean, and you know, um, some of the fans that we speak to, their videos will get way, way, way more than if we spoke to a player, you know, because people are more interested in hearing from them. Yeah, that's the thing. You can see the kind of uh, clean cut kind of, uh, you know, Mikel Arteta interview on like the BT Sport channel or whatever it might be, but you don't get the kind of raw, you don't get the truth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's, but there, there is a kind of flip side to that. You know, like I said, if I used to get something wrong on the Top Gear channel or Doctor Who, like they'd be, they'd be calling for my head in the comments, like, mm. especially like Top Gear, you'd get like 5,000 dislikes in like the first hour. Yeah. Like, and you guys have had some backlash from other yeah. Arsenal fans. What was that like to you as someone who, like, obviously Arsenal is at your heart? Mm. How did you kind of deal with that and respond to that? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, you said that people will be calling for your head. They, they'll come looking for my head. This head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Is first of all, it's when Arsene Wenger was there. Obviously, at first, especially, really divided opinion. You know, you had, as they call it, the Wenger in, Wenger outs, and you know, I'd have the the people that wanted him to stay would be having a go at me for, you know, letting people who want him to leave speak and vice versa. And the people that wanted him to go would be saying, Robbie, you should be doing more to get him out. And I'm like, you know, all we're here to do is be a platform. And then recently we've had other fans now, you know, that sort of disappeared after the whole Wenger thing. Then recently we've had some fans who have been, oh, well, you don't represent us. And you're embarrassing us because you allow fans to come on and have a go at the club. I'm like, well, you know, this is what we're about. We're about fans having their honest opinion. So what, what do you want us to be? North Korea now. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't let fans have their say. And literally, some of these fans are like, yes, you shouldn't let nobody say anything negative about the club. And I'm like, well, what about talk sport? What about all these different websites? And, that? and then there might be things like, well, you're making money. Well, I'm like, well, hold on all these websites and everybody to do independent websites to do it also, they make money in exactly the same way, AdSense. So why are you not having a go at them? So I kind of then after a while realized that a lot of it's to do with the fact that we're so big and we're so popular. And I started to realize that this is one of the consequences of that, that, you know, when you get bigger, you're open to more criticism I also realised that you can't please everybody. I was just like, oh, well, I thought, you know, I used to think to myself, we're all supposed to be Arsenal fans. Why are they getting on my case about this? But now I realise that actually every Arsenal fan is different. You know, you do have some, you know, especially some of these old school fans who they're like, we don't say anything. We just keep it all to ourselves. We don't say anything. We don't, we shouldn't do anything. But I just go off of it and look at it and say, I can't change those fans' opinions. That's their opinion. But I know that we must be doing something right because, you know, we're getting 30 million plus views a month on YouTube. And people are always messaging. For every one of those fans that talk negatively about us, there's another, you know, more silent because, you know, they don't come shouting out and stuff like that. 
but there's another 100 that are bigging us up for what we're doing. So, you know, I, I, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? You've, you've just got to learn that this is part of it. This comes with the territory. The bigger you get, and every single, especially on YouTube, every YouTuber that I've spoken to that have got big accounts, I've said exactly the same thing. They may not get it exactly as straight as us because we're always on the front line at games, but they all say to me that, you know, they realize that once they pass this amount of subscribers, they just started getting a lot of hate from certain people. But it comes with the territory. So you do have to accept that. You, you know, I mean, I always look on it and say to myself, when I turn on my TV, it's not everything on that TV I enjoy watching. When I look at Arsenal, there's a player that I might really, really like that another player thinks is crap. You know what I mean? So you've just got to accept it and just wear it, really. It's all good. My mum always used to say when we was growing up, my parents were Jamaican. And she used to have a saying where she goes, um, Robbie, when they stop talking about you, not Naguan for you. In other words, nothing's happening. <laughs> but she goes, when they stop talking about you, you ain't doing nothing. You, you ain't worth it. So as long as they're talking, it's all good. And what about the official reaction from Arsenal? Do they recognise you in any way? You know, I'm assuming they don't give you any kind of press access, but do they ever comment on what you do? Have you ever kind of had interaction with them in an, in an official capacity yeah i've had i've had interaction with them um they they comment privately on what i do um yeah. and i've never had a i've never really had a problem i mean I, I think at first when we first came out they probably didn't like us too much because you know we allow people to have their say and that was sort of the first time it was done in that way that fans could be so vocal if they you know especially if they dislike something about the club but i think uh, over the years they've learned that you know, we're just a platform to give fans their opinions. And I think they understand that, you know, we love the club, but we're a platform to give fans their opinions. So they don't have, I mean, I see their officials all the times at games. I've seen, you know, um, I've been to away games, Europe. They're, sometimes their officials have helped us to get into games of equipment and things like that. So I have no problem with them whatsoever. Um, I'd love to get a bit more access to players and stuff like that, but I understand that obviously they kind of got their own YouTube channel and they do their own things with players and stuff like that. And, you know, these football clubs are very guarded of their players. I do think they miss a trick in a way because, you know, it, it would be a way to connect a lot of those players closer with the fans. But they do their thing and we do our thing. I don't think they have a problem with us and we don't have a problem with them, certainly. Yeah, I think because I've been on both sides of those that fence, you know, I've been part of the brand team that's making sure that nothing leaks out and everything is kind of clean cut. And I've also been on the side of wanting to know the, the real truth about what's, what's going on. So yeah. I understand it. There are a lot of other new channels now. You know, you guys have really been trailblazers in this kind of fan channel. So, you know, you've got like... United stands and you've got expressions uh, um, who has the, the the channel for the team of which we will not speak their name. You know, Leicester Fan TV, a lot of these channels you're actually kind of friends with, you have guests on. What do you think about these other fan channels that have, that have grown up? You know, West Ham, hmm. Chelsea. Now, there are other Arsenal fan channels now as well. What, what's your kind of opinion on that? I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant, man. More power to them. You know what I mean? Um Especially when they say to me that, you know, we kind of inspired them. That really makes me feel proud. 
And, um, you know, I, I always try to help these channels. You know, if, if any of them ever reach out to me and um, for a bit of advice, I give it to them straight away. I'd love to see us have these sort of channels like for every football team, you know, because it's giving fans a chance to have their say. And I think, you know, some of those channels that you've named out, they're very good channels as well. I mean, United Stand, we recently, just to show you the power of what we can do, um, is that we came together and we did a 24-hour fundraising broadcast, which we put together literally in four days. And we did that. And we raised over 20 thousand pounds for nhs charities during this coronavirus and that was all done in four days and just us in our bedrooms doing content three hours on our channel then switching over to their channel for another three hours then back to us for, and we did that for 24 hours and we involved as well in that lots of those channels that you just mentioned they all got involved in it and different um people who influencers doing fan stuff on youtube and as I said, we were able to raise that money in just a short space of time. So it shows the power of what we're doing. And I think it's brilliant when we get to do collaborations. You know what I mean? When we talk to each other and we have lots of banter. And I think it's a fantastic movement that we're sort of um, starting to see emerge. Yeah, because, you, you know, you've got this platform now that you've built, not just to talk about football, but to talk about, or just not to talk about just Arsenal, but to talk about other things. I know you recently released a documentary about racism in football, yeah. uh, which was really, really powerful to see. It's pretty mind-boggling, uh, especially, I know we're not definitely dealt with a problem, but yeah. some of the historical stuff was truly, truly shocking. So you kind of, like, you're now almost... As, you know, well, you are a celebrity, I'd say. You probably get stopped in the street, especially if you're in North London constantly. So how how does that feel to have the platform? And is there also like you wish you could sometimes be a bit more invisible? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you do wish you could be a bit more invisible. But you know what? But then I get stopped absolutely everywhere. But I'm cool with it because, again, you know, it's nice, you know, that people recognize what you do and enjoy it and they come up and they give you compliments or they come up and they want a picture and i, I think listen I, I give thanks for all that you know i mean it's brilliant um you know there are times when you know you're in a restaurant and you're eating and somebody comes up and wants a selfie that you're like oh, come on, <laughs> wait until i finish eating but I, i'm you know what I, I i i'm cool with it i'm absolutely cool with it it's just amazing you know because I, mean? I think about i always look back to when we started and then, uh, and then I see all these things, you know, and I'm just like, it's incredible, the journey that we've had and the fact that, you know, and it's not just here in the UK, it's like all around the world. I mean, I was in America um, last summer, I got absolutely mobbed. I've been mobbed in Australia, mobbed all over Europe. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's not just Arsenal fans. It's like fans of every football club. And, you know, sometimes I'll be going into my office, which is like in central London, and I'll be on a train or something. And I'm like an agony aunt sometimes after a game. <laughs> People are stopping me. Oh, Robbie, what happened? What happened to, you know, or like at the moment, everybody's stopping me. Yeah, what, do you think we'll get Partey in? Or do you yeah. Do you think Aubameyang stay, Robbie? Have you spoken to him? Get onto the phone. Hey, Robbie, give Cronky a call. I'm like, I wish I could give Cronky. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, but it is brilliant. And, um, you know, yeah, there has been spin-offs like the TV thing was brilliant because I had that idea to make that documentary for a long time and I presented it like to ITV and they loved it. 
And to see it get made was incredible. And to have that out was fantastic. And even because I, I was at first really worried that it might not ever get seen because obviously originally it was going to come out the night of when England were playing a game. But obviously because of the coronavirus thing, um, all football got shut down. So I was sort of thinking that they might just say, right, well, we can't put it out now because there's no football on. But ITV still put it out on the same night and it was so well received, really, really well received. And um, now it's going to, um, you know, I think it's going to get like a worldwide distribution as well now. So it's good. And I'm looking forward to making other content for TV. I've got some other great ideas. And yeah, and I, and I was so glad that people sort of saw the message of that documentary, which was basically that we've come a long way. We really have come a long way because when I used to go to football back in the day, it was awful as a black fan. It really was. But we've come a long, long way because you just don't see that at football a lot. But it has been creeping back in. And I just wanted to send people that message that, you know what, let's not let this come back because it's horrible. So we don't want to return back to those days. And, you know, sometimes you make things creep back and people forget about what it was like. And before you realize it's too late, it's prevalent again. So I was so glad that that was so well received. You know, I'm really proud of that work. Yeah. And it's just cool to see someone that's come from like a YouTube background to to break through and to get that kind of opportunity to get that. Because I know you've done other stuff with ITV on the, the Real Football Fan Show and stuff like that. Yeah, we did on Channel 4, which is, I was really proud of. Well, the only thing about that one is it used to come on so late, you know, not enough people used to get a chance to watch it. I mean, everybody who watched it loved it, and I'd love to bring that back because that was brilliant because we had so much banter on there and we had fans of so many different clubs. Like, it used to come on so late, you know what I mean? And it'd be great to get that. Maybe that that could be another thing that we can bring back but obviously everything's on hold at the moment yeah fingers crossed <laughs> i want to make a, a slight shift now because this is the pro channel manager podcast and i want to talk more about the kind of professional business side of things uh, yeah. just for a little while so what does your current team look like i know you've got like a colorful host of characters that appear on the on the shows but they're not necessarily part of your mm. staff how, what does your team look like so and how does a a video, let's say you want to do the top five moments from whatever it may be. How does a video go from being an idea in your head to getting published and promoted on YouTube? Right. We have a very small team, as a matter of fact. So there's only about um, five of us. It's quite a small team. Two guys who film and edit. Uh, they're very good at it. They do film, editing, thumbnails. They do a lot of stuff. Then we've got one um, guy who um, does social media. I also help out with the social media as well. And then we have one person that's sort of overall, like she's not my secretary PA, but she also does a lot of the organizing for the various different platforms. Because it's not just YouTube. I mean, we're on a lot of different platforms and we have big followings on, you know, like Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. So we have to be doing content for them. And um, what we basically pride ourselves on is we operate with speed, which I think that's been one of the main reasons of our success on YouTube and on all the other platforms. So once we have an idea, my sort of thing is execute the idea. We don't spend 
days discussing it. We don't have three, four meetings and then have a, you know, a proof of concept fit. We just do it. That's how we work. So we'll have an idea. We'll say, yeah, you know what? That idea, what do you reckon? Sounds good, sounds good, sounds good. Could be by the evening it's out or by yeah. the next day it's out. We really operate off of speed and we really mm-hmm. operate off of getting quality videos out as quickly as we possibly can and delivering them because we just, how we look at football is football is a very fast moving thing. And if you get your video out whilst things are relevant, it's what we say you're in the conversation. And you don't want to miss that conversation. So, you know, I could be talking to you today about Aubameyang signed a new deal for Arsenal, right? If fingers I, crossed. If, which I hope to God happen. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. If that's the discussion today, Aubameyang is just signed a new contract for Arsenal, you need a video out now. If the video comes out tomorrow, you've missed the conversation. We've all spoken about that. The next day, we're speaking about, well, what do we think Abamian will do in the future now that he's signed, right? Or who should we bring in alongside Abamian? So you've got to move quickly and you've got to move with speed. So there's no time for divering. There's no time for not executing ideas. And we've always worked off of that premise, execute your ideas and get the videos out quick. So we turn around videos very quickly with quality, and our plan is to always be in the conversation. And that's how we do it. So as I mentioned, you have got those amazing cast of characters that we we couldn't not talk about, you know, people like DT, Troops, Turkish, who are my three favorites that I always always make sure to watch their videos. But then you've got a whole host of other people. Obviously, like, they are fans, but also, like, I don't know how much you want to get go into, but are they volunteers? I know that they've also got, some of them have got their own YouTube channels, so are they kind of doing it for the cross-promotion? How does that work? Have they all got jobs as well? Some of them have got jobs. I think, uh, like, DT and Troops do YouTube full-time. Turkish, I know, definitely works. He's got a job. So a lot, a lot of these guys, um, first of all, how we met all of these guys is that I didn't know any of them before doing AFTV. We've met them all from just interviewing them at games. So they've just randomly come up. We've interviewed them. Their videos have proved very popular. I think what happens a lot of times when people do their first videos, they go away, they've done their video, and if they get a brilliant reaction, they'll come back and want to be on again. And that's what's happened with some of these guys that have become really popular. And then some of them have turned their hand at their own YouTube channels, like DT, Troops, and we help them with those channels. But they're not employees of AFTV. They do their own thing. So, you know, I've built up good relationships with them where... They're always willing to do things. They do, like DT, in in the case of DT and Troops, they do regular programs now on AFTV. And if somebody does a regular program on AFTV, you know, that's a bit different how, you know, they're rewarded for that program. Yeah, it makes sense. Anybody who does an interview after a game or any game interview, we do not pay for that. That is just literally a fan, come and have your say. Um, we we never, ever pay for that. If somebody does a program um, and it's an every week program, then obviously we will then speak to them about how we can, you know, whether it just be, sometimes it might be a small program and it's just the expenses to get there. Another time it might be a bit different. Yeah. So that's how we deal with it. And so what does the, I know that you've done 
you know, sponsorships, you've done like things with like AAA and Betway and you've got merch, you know, super chats. Mm. How does, you don't, you know, obviously you don't need to discuss numbers, but maybe in terms of percentages, what does the business look like? Like how much is coming from AdSense? How much is coming from off YouTube? If you can share some some rough idea of how that income is broke down. The majority of money, the majority comes from YouTube AdSense stuff. It's very changeable, you know, because um, sometimes more money can come from advertising. I mean, one of the things we're going to make a, make a big push on once we're out of this coronavirus crisis is to increase the amount of money we would make on advertising. But you can make a lot of money off of YouTube advertising because the bigger your channel gets, you know, more advertising you attract because, you know, advertising is all about numbers. So if you're getting good numbers, you'll always attract a lot of um, advertising. And are you looking for other ways, other revenue streams, like maybe like live events or yeah. pro- more products or whatever it may be? Yeah, we, we do the merchandising, as you said, that's the thing. We're looking at lots of different revenue streams now. Live events, we thought about a couple of times doing, but we've just not, never really had enough time to. I mean, we've done a couple of live events, but they've they've always been free, and they've always been like great turnouts. But we something we're looking at doing in the future. We're also in the future looking at maybe, you know, taking it on the road a bit, you know, especially to other countries because we get a lot of demand. We we did a um, Q and A. Um, couple of seats was it last season i think it was when we went to dubai and that went down really really well and um that's something that i'm looking to do again in the future in different countries if we ever get to go to other countries in other countries as well so i'm looking at a lot of different revenue streams now apart from just the traditional advertising because there are other revenue streams out there for youtubers or for influencers and it's about taking advantage of those obviously yeah and Obviously, we're recording this at the beginning of May in the kind of the midst of the corona lockdown. Mm. And um, I actually recorded uh, an episode of my other podcast yesterday where we spoke about the effect of the coronavirus on on YouTube and stuff. Um, obviously, it's affecting the world. Mm. Um, but inside the bubble of YouTube, like you're doing daily shows again, which is incredible, keeping people like me sane when there's no sport on TV. But has that really affected your AdSense? I'm, you know, my friend who I co-host the podcast with, he helped to put together a report that said that many YouTubers were seeing decreases of as much as like 50% in their ad revenues, even though views were going up. Um, is that something that you guys have been affected by? More than that for us. I mean, wow. been, you know, because you have to remember that our, our core thing is football. And there's no football at the moment, none. So um, it's had a massive effect on us because um, there is no football. You know, so if there's a game on, the build-up videos, the game, the day of the game, the talking points after the game, at the moment there's none of that. And there's been none of that for like nearly now seven weeks. So, And then if you add to the fact that the CPMs are being, like you said, you know, sometimes in, in some cases less than half of what we normally get. Yeah. And you add to the fact that some of the companies that advertise a lot when it comes to football of companies like betting companies, for instance, who literally at the moment there's no point in them advertising because there's no sport. It's not even like they could say, right, all right, there's no football, but we, you can still bet on horse racing or 
cricket. There's nothing. I've got a few degenerate friends that are betting on like the Belarusian league <laughs> and stuff like that. And I heard that even that they're putting a halt to. So there is nothing at the moment. So it's a very tough time for us, but I've sort of repositioned everything and said, right, and I know this sounds crazy, but I've just said, let's just forget about money for the next couple of months. Let's just assume that, you know, money-wise, we ain't going to really earn nothing. Our job for the next couple of months whilst this coronavirus thing's going on, is to provide a service for Arsenal fans and for football fans. So we're going to do two live videos a day. We're going to do content. We're going to do lots of live stuff. We're going to give fans a chance to have their, you know, say, with lots of stuff in comments and stuff like that. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been brilliant. Whilst, obviously, the revenue's just not been there, but it's been great to... Like what you do, what you just said to me, we've had a, a massive reaction like that where people have said, "Yeah, you're just keeping us going." You and I just look at it like we're providing a service at the moment, right? To which we're not really getting paid for, but sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, and but hopefully, what you'll see is that the audience is still grows, and then you kind of get that like karma comes back around once the advertising exactly. starts to pick up. I'm working off of the principle that you know, if you provide a good service throughout this time, when we're through this, people will remember that. And they'll remember that, you know, this channel stood up during that time and still gave us great content and still cared, you know. Um, so that's what we're doing at the moment. It's not about money right now. And hopefully when football comes back, we'll get a bit of a spike. Although it is going to be tough still when it comes back because, you know, it's not going to come back exactly the same to start off with. It's, you know, it's going to be behind closed doors. It's going to you know, there's going to be a lot of changes to football to start off with. So we've already been making a lot of contingency plans for that. Um, but it's had a big effect on us income-wise. But again, I'm an optimist. And I just look at it and say, you know, nothing lasts forever. This is a season. Season of, you know, like, you know, what's the um, Game of Thrones? You know, this is one of those seasons. That yeah, winter's coming. Yeah, <laughs> winter's here. You know, he's here early. You know, he's so yeah. we just got to ride it out, and then hopefully there'll be better times ahead financially and that. But at the moment, my main concentration is on providing a good service to Arsenal fans, to football fans out there. We've been doing lots of videos. We've involved a lot of the other channels as well. I've been like, yeah, jump on in, man. Let's do something together. We last week we had like. um the Leicester guys on, we had uh, Tottenham guys on, we had Liverpool guys on, Man United guys on, different, different teams. Got them on. How are you guys been doing? How have you been getting on with the coronavirus? Tell us about your transfers. That's what we've been doing, a lot of that. And it's been going down really, really well. The live shows, the amount of comments, it's been brilliant. We did, of course, the NHS fundraiser. We had three videos trending on that night from that between us and United Stands. And we made a lot of money for NHS charities. So it's that time where we got to do that and give back. And I'm sure if we, like you said, karma, if we do that now, when people are really feeling it and people are sat at home bored and we're providing a service, I'm sure they're all going to remember that. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm a bit conscious of time. I know how busy you are. You've probably got another million live streams to do just today. But I've got something that I've devised called the Fast Five. And these are just five really quick questions. Yep. You only have to give me like one word answer. So I'm just going to fire it away. I'm going to ask these to absolutely everyone that I speak to. 
and uh, we'll see what comes back. So here we go. Some tense music, quiz music from the editor, please. So if you could only ever watch one YouTube channel ever again, what would it be? <laughs> That's hard. And it can't be yours. It can't be yours. That is tough. Oh, I like the guys at United Stand, you know. I'd watch them to see what they're up to because they, they oh. speak to fans as well, like what we do. So I'll still be able to get my fan fix, even though it wouldn't be Arsenal. All right, big respect. Just, I can say this. Mine would definitely be Arsenal Fan TV or AFTV, as is now known. What one feature from YouTube that's been stopped would you bring back? So I don't know if you remember things like um, response videos and all that kind of stuff. Is there one feature you would bring back from YouTube that they got rid of? So what have they got rid of? Oh, they got rid of loads of stuff. Like I remember when I first started in 2012, you got guaranteed like the first four spots on like the suggested sidebar and stuff like that. You know what? We never had any of those things anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I didn't even realize. I mean, I mean just through. I, mean, I just, I didn't remember any of these perks. Well, that's, that's the thing. YouTube is, uh, changes so much. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember they went through that period where literally, Literally every video we did, we had this for about six months. They were just demonetizing. Oh, yeah. Because we couldn't have a title that was hard hitting. Yeah. I'd love those hard hitting titles to come back. Uh, so we want to bring back some of their leniency. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit too much nowadays. You know, it's, there's a bit too many. I understand why they have to do it because they get put under pressure by other um, platforms. But I think there's too many rules nowadays. All right. So I suppose this kind of answers this. Uh, if you could add one feature to YouTube, what would it be? Increase revenue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to caveat that question next time I ask it because everyone's going to say that. <laughs> Get those CPMs up, man. Yeah. <laughs> what one piece of advice would you give someone starting to manage a channel today? To manage a channel? Yeah. I, I'd say that, you know, understand the people that watch your channel. You know, I think don't take them for granted. Understand them, you know. That's one of the great things about this um, whole coronavirus crisis is that I think a lot of channels now have had to start understanding the people that come to it. You know what I mean? Start respecting them, start listening to them, you know, read the comments, answer the comments, you know, don't just overlook them. It's just, it's just like another number, you know, and treat every person that watches your channel as an individual. If you post, it's hard because you sometimes you've got a big audience. But that's how you grow your audience. If they feel like they're part of a, a movement, they'll stay with you. You know what I mean? And they and they will help you grow. Yeah, I absolutely love that advice. So I think so so often many people just say, oh, YouTube fans are idiots. Like, read the comments. It's full of idiots. But it's, yeah, not. it's not. It's not. You really need to understand. Okay. On the whole, on AFTV, what we find is that these people are genuinely following and enjoying and loving what we're doing. And we have to look after them. Yeah, for sure. You can lose them if you don't. If you don't look after them, they'll go elsewhere. They've got lots of choice. And final question, number five. If YouTube was a person, what would you say to them if you met them at a Christmas party? Can I have some more money? <laughs> <laughs> can you fill up this hat with gold coins, please? I'd say, I, also, I'd say I love you because you know what? It's, it's, um, YouTube has enabled me to do my passion as a full-time job and build a business out of my passion. So I'd have to say to YouTube, I love you. You know, um, you've helped me so much and I'm so grateful to you. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Give them a little kiss under the mistletoe at the Christmas yeah. party. So that's the end of my Fast Five. I've got one final question. Yep. You're known for putting people on the spot and getting their uh, opinions. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Robbie. Yeah. When all of this dies down 
and we're back at the Emirates. Can I come on and do a fan cam? 100%. Oh, I'm going to hold you to that for sure. Um, we'd love to have you on. It's for every, This is for everybody. I know it's difficult sometimes because there's so many fans surrounding. That's another thing. We're looking at that at the moment. and We're like, well, how can we extend it out that we can get even more fans on? Do we need to have another presenter elsewhere around the stadium so we can get other people? You know what I mean? This has allowed... Do you know the one thing about this coronavirus thing? It's allowed us to take a little pause and look at how we can improve things yeah. when we come back. And we're certainly going to come back bigger and better. Robbie, thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you and AFTV? AFTV, um, of course, on YouTube. Um, and we're on Instagram. We're on every platform. So, you know, any platform that you can think of, we're there. So make sure you check us out. Robbie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, go and check out AFTV. Even if you're not a soccer fan, even if you're not uh, an Arsenal fan, there's so much you can learn about tapping into a fandom and turning that into an amazing YouTube channel, an amazing brand. Robbie, thank you so much. Uh, and I look forward to that fan cam. Wow. Just, I hope you can agree that was just some super, super actionable advice. Such an interesting story. And what a down to earth and genuine, generous guy. Even once we turned off the mic, me and Robbie still talking about football, still talking about Arsenal. I had to cut him off because I felt guilty taking up his time. I hope you found this useful. Thanks again to our incredible sponsor, vidIQ. This would not be possible without you. We love your tool here. We use it every day on every single video we upload. We really appreciate your support at what we're doing here at Pro Channel Manager. Speaking of which, Go visit ProChannelManager.com where you can check out our community and courses both about to launch. You can sign up for the waitlist and you can get even more actionable tips, advice, strategy and accountability. If you enjoyed this, please remember to rate and review in Apple Podcasts. Give it a star inside Overcast. Make sure you subscribe because we want this to get spread to as many pros, semi-pros and aspiring YouTube pros as possible. And the best way for us to do that is for you to do those things, but also share this with a friend. Thanks so much. And until next time, keep uploading. Laters. Thanks for listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast. Happy uploading. And remember, next time you go to publish a video, ask yourself, what would Tom think?